thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Hey, Mums the Word listeners, it's Kaz Jaff here, and we are speaking all about choosing a home birth today with Karen Tam, who is a mother of two beautiful children. Kaya, who is eight, and Christian, who is five. She's a stay-at-home mum, a chauffeur for two, and a very talented juggler who manages to coordinate her children and husband's busy schedules while trying to find time to bake cookies and read teen fiction. Karen has two university degrees, a Bachelor of Commerce in Psychology and Marketing, and a Bachelor of Science in Chiropractic. She spent most of her life moving and traveling, and she has a passion for interior decor and design, and is the co-host of the podcast Inside the Champion's Mind, where she shares with her husband and discusses mindset and their stories of challenges in life, love, and legacy. Um, very excited to have her with me, as you will hear on the episode. This is an in-house, uh, in-person interview, and well, I loved it. Enjoy the episode. Hey, this is Karen talking from Queensland uh, in Australia, and for the first time ever, I have my guest sitting right next to me. I'm happy to introduce you to Karen Tam. Karen, please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm happy to join you today because this isn't normal for you, is it? We're doing this at a resort. We're in the lovely Palm Cove and we're sitting inside a hotel room with air conditioning, doing our best with your phone to record this today. Absolutely. Looking out at the sunshine in the pool and <laughs> you don't want to know about it. It looks gorgeous. It does look gorgeous. Um, but I was happy that um, that you're here and that we're able to talk today because I also did a home birth. I know that you've done one as well and I thought it'd be really cool for us to have a bit of a chat about that. Yeah, and me too. Well, both of us have had that. two home births, so each. We have. Yeah. We're champions. <laughs> <laughs> So what we really wanted to do today was really discuss um, why we chose a home birth and why okay. that was the best choice for us. But I'm going to talk more about your experiences because okay. I think I've mentioned mine in the past on some earlier episodes. Got it. I won't interview you. No, no, no. <laughs> I won't go there. <laughs> well, this is because Karen also has her own podcast, which you would have heard in the bio anyway. So um, she's well-versed and, um, yeah, I'm not sure if you do many with people in front of you. Oh, you're with Lawrence all the yes, time, aren't it's you? it's just Lawrence and I talking. Oh, yes. yes. You're well best at this. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, but this is unfair because I control it when it's with Lawrence and this is your show. So okay, do you want to hold the phone? No, I'll take the back seat. <laughs> anyway, okay, so let's go back and um, okay. tell us about the kids and your yeah, experience. So, so I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've got two children. I've got a daughter who's eight and a son who's five. And as you mentioned, both of them were home birth children. Which I think if I was younger, I never, never, ever would have said I would have been a home birth mom. Um, I knew I wanted to have children, but I came from more of a medical background. And my husband, Lawrence, is a chiropractor. And when we met, he was just beginning that journey to chiropractor college. And um, as we were in the relationship, I went on that journey with him. And I started learning more things about natural birth and about natural, more holistic ways of looking after your body and healthcare. And when we decided to have children, that was just a conversation that came up that that was an option that I didn't know existed. And I was interested to find out more about that, mainly at first is because I hate hospitals. I really do. I just, I can't stand the smell in there. I don't like the aesthetics of it. And I'm really somebody who has to have a really nice environment 
it affects me. It affects how I feel. And I thought, I just don't want to be in there. And when I found out there was another option, that was intriguing to me, mainly from that aspect at first, which was why I was looking at it. And I know hospitals um, have their place. I, they definitely are needed. There's definitely people who do need to have babies in a hospital. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough that the more I looked into it, I found out that I I really could have a baby at home if I wanted to. And there are definitely as criteria. I think you need to be a certain weight. You have to have a certain fitness, certain health. No pre-existing conditions exactly. or earlier pregnancies that didn't. Yeah, you, you, know. you need to do your research. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to do it. And, you know, one of the main things for us was always that we would do it at home if it wasn't a risk to my life and it wasn't a risk to the baby's life. Yeah. And secondly, your partner has to be on board with you as well. And that was something Lawrence really wanted to to have the babies at home. So it all kind of organically started coming together. And the more I read and the more I spoke with people, we thought this is a journey we want to have and, and to be able to do it at home. Yeah, I, I absolutely came from the same space. I do not want to end up in the hospital. Yes. Um, it is where, in my opinion, they're looking for a problem mm-hmm. or a pathology. And it's not every hospital, but there are certain... Um, protocols they have to stick by in, in terms of how long we can wait for you to dilate a centimetre per hour and things like this. The way um, the baby is born, if they're in certain countries, if they're not out in one contraction, then the doctor will intervene. Um, and I just don't think that is really aligned with natural uh, with birth, which is a natural process, well, it's and in- it's not on a clock. Yes. Well, it's interesting you say that because with Kaya, my first baby, if I'd been in a hospital, she would have ended up a C-section. Yeah. And the reason was is that when she first came down, she had her hand up against her face, which is a really hard way to birth the mm. baby. Not very comfortable. I don't recommend it. But I found out afterwards, if she'd been in a hospital with that presentation, it would have been a C-section. Whereas at home, the midwives figured out what was going on. And Kaya actually somehow went back up a little bit, readjusted herself, and then came back down. And that that probably added about five hours at least to my labor. But then I was able to birth her naturally. And, you know, when I found out that after the fact, I was so happy that I had chosen that path to have her at home because... That would have been taken out of my control, and I'm a control freak. (laughs) And that's another reason not wanting to go into the hospital, because as you say, they've got procedures set in place, um, I think, to protect them, but also because Mm -hmm. when you're birthing so many women and so many babies, you need procedures, you need flowcharts, you need to have that order. I, and as much as I like order, I don't like being told what to do, and I like to do it when I want to do it. I'm exactly the same. What's your star sign? <laughs> we're, we're both named Karen. So that yeah, way, yeah. I'm on the cusp of Aries and Taurus. Um, what cusp are you? as well. I'm Virgo and Libra. Oh, so. it's the cusps of Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for me as well, um, I did see earlier on, I'm not sure if I was pregnant at the time, the movie called The Business of Being Born, and I would recommend mm-hmm. everyone to watch that. It's a documentary by um, Ricky Lake, you know, from the Ricky Lake show, but she's actually matured a lot. Um, And uh, co-director or co-producer was Ricky Epstein, and they filmed a documentary on how the hospitals operate like a business. It is a business. Yeah, exactly. And the surge in how many um, C-sections and, you know, Obviously, things aren't to time and they're clearing out beds. And anyway, I recommend everyone watch it just just for, you know, another thing to think about. But I think as well um, what you said with Lawrence and trusting the body and the holistic side of things, I also come from that space that the body needs no help, just no interference. So unless Mm. there's anything that you can find with me that I need to be in a hospital, which for the Dutch listeners, you know the word translates to sick house, sick and house. For me, that's a place where you go when you're sick. Birth is... 
natural and healthy and you know for people to be pregnant they have to be super healthy for that all all the um, energies to collide to create a baby and for me it just is so far removed from sickness and unless someone can tell me there's something wrong I, I just don't need to be there and I'm also very olfactory sense like you mm-hmm. smells are important to me um, which works for and against me in my work of course um, but I think as well knowing that even if you birth and everything goes well in the hospital at least where I was um, having my kids in Holland after three hours you're home anyway it's not that you stay there and they're teaching you how to bath the baby and t- teach you how to breastfeed and give you some rest and all that you're, you're home within three hours I don't really see the point of going there, doing that whole thing at the hospital, then within three hours get my child into a capsule in a car, newborn baby, all bundled up to then go home and be at home anyway. That just doesn't make sense to Well, me. that's a lot of stress. And stress is one of the main things that can slow down breastfeeding, your labor, exactly. attachment, and you're learning everything. It's all, it's all, it's all new. It's, an, it's a new learning curve. Yeah. And why throw that into the mix? You know, and yeah, I mean, also in Holland, I didn't have a car, so I'd be in a taxi, not my car. I'm not the driver. There's also that control element. But I think more so to the point that when it's at home, a lot of the things people will be reading about is that you can move around where you want to move around. It's your house, your rules. You can eat if you want, you know, and um, you can set the stage. And I think the birth providers that um, in these countries, you know, Australia here, Holland and all around the world, UK is very big. Um... They're not going to put you in an unsafe situation because they're 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 under the spotlight. Home mm. birth is under the spotlight. There's many studies done all around the world how safe it is, and it always comes out equal, um, in my from my understanding. But they're not going to put you in a situation where you're at risk because that's their it's them on the line. So they're very exactly. stringent with their testing. So when you said you need to check with your birth providers, no one is going to let you do a home birth. Um, unless they think it's safe and you're, you're a non-risk. Well, that's exactly the thing is that I think there's so much fear about it. There's fear because this, is, this used to be the way it was always done. Yeah. And I remember reading, and it's so long ago now, I can't remember what, but it was the whole transition from home births to hospitals. And at first, how unnatural it was to have babies in hospitals and something had to be totally wrong if you were having to go to a hospital. And now it's like the other way is that we've forgotten where we came from and a hospital is just, there's so many people who do it. It's mainstream. That's what people think is the natural way of doing it. And we've forgotten where we've come from. And there's just that fear aspect that if you choose to be the minority who wants to do a home birth, they make it really tough. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe not everybody, but my experience was, is that you come under a spotlight, like a lot of criticism that people start going, whoa, what are you thinking? Well, this is what we spoke about last night yeah. when we talked about doing this podcast is that you're kind of considered hippie. You are. You're really like far out freak. If I mean, especially with me being Australian and telling my mom who lived in Australia, I'm going to have a home birth. She's like, what? Like, you yes. know, oh, there's that my, my child who went to India when she was 22 by herself for months at a time, <laughs> just let it go. She lives overseas. And I'm like, no, no, the mom, this is how it's done here. And then she was like, okay. And she was at the birth and thought it was amazing. Yeah. But um, what you said now is that actually it's being done in most countries around the world like this. It is. If we look at the numbers of births, this the hospital birth is probably more the other way around. And that, that what you say, the fear base, it's coming, I choose a hospital because I think it's safer. And I'm all for birthing wherever you feel comfortable. Yes. If you feel that you're going to be most comfortable in hospital, then please go and birth there. This is just our choice for our babies. And it might be different if we ever had a baby again. Who knows? Probably not. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that everyone has to do it this way. Please birth where you feel most comfortable, but understand that's not necessarily the only way. No, I think it's 
what I'm more of an advocate for is have all the information. Yeah. And, th and that's what I don't like is that when you're just told hospital birthing is the only way, you can actually do water births in a hospital. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can contact the home birthing organization for your state and get more information about having a home birth at home. But it's just that information isn't as readily available. And the more you start reading as in books or talking to people or looking into it, I think make an informed decision for you, for what you and your partner want to do. And then stick to your guns about it. Yeah. Because um, as I was telling you yesterday, part of the home birthing organization in Western Australia, we have to be signed off once by an obstetrician. And my obstetrician said I was very non-compliant. And I thought, that's okay. I can live with that. Yeah, if that's I can your wear only, that on my forehead. If that's your only criticism, happy to bear that cross. Um, but you had to be strong because also that kind of hurt a little bit because I want people to like me. And mm -hmm. I do sometimes want to be not the non-rule breaker. Um, so you have to be strong in your reasoning why. And I felt a bit like I was under attack when I was in with him because he was like, you have to do this and you have to do that. And, and I would say, no, I'm not. And, you know, I just had to be strong in my beliefs and my understanding and my education as to why I was doing something. And then, of course, when I went home, I rethought about it and thought, am I still okay with yeah, this yeah. decision? Am, is, he, am, is he making a valid point? But I think as long as you question things, look at both sides, and then you'll be happy with where you're at and where you're going to birth. And that's going to ultimately give you the best birth that you're going to have. Yeah. And I think one thing that we haven't mentioned as well is that a lot of the times people will be starting at home and they'll get to a certain stage where they're like, oh, actually, I'm just happy where I am. And I, you know, don't want to move. Yeah. Just think about it, if you have to go in the car and in traffic. And I mean, I went on a school excursion the other day, happened to be at a hospital. I was the, the mum that went along to help out. And there was a woman in the elevator with 20 little prep five-year-old children in labor, in the in the wheelchair. And I thought, oh my God, this poor woman is stuck with these kids in a lift while she's going through a contraction. And then there's all these types of things like you've got to get from home. It's not like you do the whole labor process in the hospital. Yes. You know, so getting there and how you get there is also for some people they end up, you know, you've seen on YouTube, many people end up birthing in the car. Now yeah. I think just stay at home, please. <laughs> well, see, I didn't know with home birth as well. The reason you have two midwives is that there's one midwife for you and there's one midwife for the baby. And so that is if anything starts to happen or doesn't look good, they can focus on who they need to focus on. I never knew that. And I also didn't know, too, was that they had a whole medical kit. Like oh, these people, yeah. These people are trained nurses. They're trained background. They're very qualified people. I didn't. Re it's funny. I didn't realize that till afterwards because I was like, oh, what happened if this would have gone on? Or And she said, you know what? I had a medical kit in the car. I had all of that. If you want to change your mind and you wanted to do something different, it was there. She goes, but I don't tell you that right up from the get-go because she said I wanted to honor your birth plan and I didn't want to start in the middle of your labor making you think about other options or other questions. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and they've got oxygen if they need they do. it. They've got and, everything. You know, they do all the baby checks there in front of you. You, you know. know what was so nice, though, is that they came to my house. So for all your weekly checkups, because at mm, first it's mm. in between like a month and then it's every two weeks. And then they, they always came to me. We'd have lovely conversations. It was so easy. It was so relaxing. And the one time I had to go to the obstetrician, I think I sat for five hours in a hospital waiting to see an obstetrician. And I was talking to a lady and I'm like, you do this every week? And she's like, yeah. She goes, don't you? I'm like, oh, no, they come to me. They're on time. It, you know, it's just a completely different world. And that was, I was like, thank goodness. Like, I don't want to sit in this hospital No, waiting. that's the normal. That's the normal that I want. You yeah. know, it's just another type of normal, isn't it? Oh, and so. then after the baby's born, they come for like weeks and weeks and weeks checking up on you. It's not like, hey, thanks for having the baby. See you next time round. Like, 
my midwife was amazing. Like I had problems with breastfeeding and she st- she came more than she was supposed to come, continually checking up, really supporting me. Um, and that's what you want. You want a supportful team. Yeah. Yeah. And for me as well, um, I have luckily enough, you will listen to episode 001. I have the midwife for both my children was the same woman, oh, cool. Jackie. So that's also really nice to develop that relationship. And even yesterday on my son's birthday, I, I got a little message from her and it's like, oh, well, I always think of you on their birthday. And it's just, yeah, you form bonds with people. And I don't think necessarily in a hospital situation, you do get the same person every time. Yeah. Um, maybe you do if you pay a lot, a lot of money. Um, that's something we also discuss, the cost of birth if yeah. you choose well, the we, hospital we option. Have, we have the same pe- person. So the first time we went through the Midwife Association, and I think it only cost us $250. Like it was... And this is um, eight years ago, so it might have changed now. But it, it was very cheap, really, to have this mm. person come to your house, uh, like, all the time. Like, it's such a personalized service. Like, I thought, like, I'm getting premier service here for $250. Mm. Like, this is crazy. Australian dollars, Australian by the way. Australian dollars. Yeah. And then um, when it was time to have my son, there was a lot going on in the media and with the midwife associations and a lot of rules and a lot of things changing and really trying to clamp down, I think, on home births and stopping that. And the midwife that I had decided to leave the association and to become an independent midwife um, and go a different way. So we wanted to stay with her. We didn't want to have to start jumping through more of a medical framework. Um, and then so we had to pay her individually to do it. And I think at that time that was about 3000 or 3500 Australian so same woman, just in different different setup, but that was but it was worth it. Still that's that's very yeah, cheap. It was worth um, it. you know, compared to the private obstetrician fees that I hear about in Melbourne anyway. Yes. You know, I mean that like we said, it's a business, right? And it is. you know, premium and if you want that particular person on, you know, I don't know, a Sunday night at ten o'clock when you go into labor, you pay for that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and in Holland, where I, I still think it's probably one of the best places to birth. You know, I, I'm very blessed to have had the kids there. It was all covered like a normal, you know. Well, they're very, the Dutch are very for natural births, aren't they? And they're more holistic type healing. And the system is set up for it. Yeah. You know, it's not, yeah, well, I think it's about 30% now. It has dropped a lot. Um, also because you have a lot of internationals moving in and yes. they come with their own country's fears and, you know, different, yeah, yeah different cultures, I guess. Um but, uh, you know, you have a lady come to your house for the first week and she's helping you for hours, you know, doing the uh, washing or the shopping or teaching yes. you how to feed and checking the nappies. And if you have stitches, she'll check that. So they come to you. It's premium service. And that's normal in the country. Now, this is a question for you. Placenta. Yeah. Did, well, did you did you do Karen obviously hasn't, Karen hasn't obviously listened to all the episodes of Mother <laughs> Words. So, okay. So just to recap for people who are coming in on this episode, I... First time round, which, well, no, she's six. So first time round, it was pretty out there. And I was like, okay, I'll do the encapsulation. I can do that. I can, you know, have a dehydrated um, capsule. And, you know, I've seen them being pro, like, uh, it made and it's steamed with herbs and looks like a gorgeous dish. And then it's, you know, dehydrated and ground down in capsules and you don't taste anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's keep in mind I was a vegetarian for more than a decade um, before I was pregnant. So I think from 18 to 30 that something. Would be tough. So, you know, it was just more like medicinal. I've subscribed to the whole Chinese way of medicine and, you know, used it a lot and advocate for it a lot as well, the Chinese herbs and acupuncture. Um, so I could, I could do that. And I, I saw it as a medicinal. It made sense to me. If all other mammals do it in the animal kingdom, why wouldn't we? You know, it's yeah. just getting that iron back. And the second time around, I knew even more about it, and I did the um, the raw 
natural in smoothies. And then um, for the first couple of days, I didn't actually have to prepare it. The lady that came to my house did it for me. Um, And then the remainder was then dehydrated into capsules as well. So I did both raw um, smoothies and and the encapsulated. And I I mean, I had no issues with uh, milk production, no issues with, um, uh, I guess, um, postnatal depression, which is one of the other reasons why people are doing it. And for me, I don't know any difference because I've only done it twice, both ways, different ways. But um, I think in my experience of working with uh, women um, having babies is that the more babies you have, the more depleted your system is because you've produced a child, you've actually grown a human being and then you've fed a human being and then you get pregnant again. And so the second child and the third child thereafter, it's like almost like the runt in the litter. <laughs> they'll, they'll get more. I mean, we, yes. get, we get more depleted. So yes. that's um, to not have had that experience second time around, I don't know whether it was the raw or the encapsulated, but I would highly recommend it for everyone. See, I didn't do it with my first birth. I was too grossed out about it. I thought yeah, it's I'm, got a gross I factor. Thought, I was like, I'm doing the home birth. That's good enough because I'm not I'm not eating my placenta and my midwife was like okay that's cool should I just freeze it in case you change your mind and I'm like no nope, you can just get rid of it that's fine like she was even showing it to me and I'm like I really don't need to see it and <laughs> don't forget I'm a chiropractor so the whole yeah. and anatomical yeah. side is different yeah. for me I guess well I'm trained in chiropractic as well so I've got a science background in that like I've done anatomy I've done that I just was like I just don't need to see it no. Um, but I struggled with my first birth because I wasn't prepared for having a baby. I'd never really held babies. Um, I was determined to breastfeed and we had all sorts of breastfeeding issues. In the end, I ended up breastfeeding for two and a half years, but man, that was hard. Um, I couldn't sleep. My child didn't sleep. I had all these things going on. Not similar things going on. I didn't have the issues to get feeding, but two and a half years and sleep issues. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still not sleeping. But with the second, with the second one, I was like, okay, there's. I've heard about you know the postnatal depression. I knew about that. That the placenta could be good for that. But I be, I was so tired in my first birth. Like I got really sick. My in laws actually moved in with us, and they would just basically look after Kaya for a little while, and I would spend most of the day sleeping because I started losing my milk supply. I was I got just mastitis. Fatigued. Yeah, fatigued. I got mastitis four times, and people were saying you know, just, just bottle feeder, just, just do that. And I was like, no, I'm determined to do this. I will do it. Good on you. Um, and thankfully, because they were there and I was able to sleep and they were doing all sorts of Chinese medicine for me, um, pawpaw soups and things like that. My milk supply came back, which was good. So I was able to breastfeed. But when Christian came, I thought I cannot do this again. Like I just was so exhausted. And so they did, they, the midwives cut up the placenta for me. And they just put it in the freezer and it was just in little bits. And I just had to close my eyes and I would grab a little bit and I would just chuck it back with some water and just think it was a pill. What, the chunk? The meat? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, you, <laughs> then, you know, you go to the extreme, like the whole idea of chewing something. Oh, like, I didn't I mean, chew. I just, oh, just wow. swallowed it back with water like it was a pill. I just, but you know what? It's such a mindset thing. I was like, yeah, I, I'm going to throw that's... up. I'm going to throw up. Not, no, just chuck it back. It's just think I'm swallowing a pill. And you don't taste it. No, you have to look at it like a medicinal. You do. But do you know what? Big difference. Really big difference between the two births. And and he was your second as well. So you'd be more Yeah, just my energy was better. I just, I don't know. I just felt like I really bounced back a lot better. And maybe it's because I knew what I was doing or maybe it was was this as well. But I just didn't feel like I got those hormonal highs and lows and swings. Mm. Mm. And you know what? If you can get your head around it, 
And maybe putting it in a pill format would be so much easier because it just looks like a pill. It doesn't look like a red piece of little tiny meat, mm, you know. Mm. Do what you need to do, but maybe even have it as an option that you may not Yeah, pick, and definitely know, go back and listen to. to that episode because there is lots of studies that we mention and uh, websites with associations that you can look at who is a registered placenta encapsulator or someone. So we've done a whole episode on that anyway. Yeah. But, um, yeah, for me, yeah, the, I guess the proof is in the pudding for us, you know. And oh, yeah. I think we also – would like to touch on um what we spoke about last night is that we're not really hippie kind of people no we're not <laughs> you know i think people we're thinking not. home birth for me water birth yeah placenta you know talking about we're pretty well-read educated scientific you know you gotta even you said control freak i'm like yes. that too like you gotta show me the show me why this is good for me but that was hard too. i just subscribe to oh yeah airy fairy that's not me no and that's hard because i already felt ostracized because i was going the home birth way and then you sometimes get to go to some centers or meet with other people who are home birthing but predominantly the people that were there were a bit more of that hippie type person, which is cool. That's them. But I didn't fit in with them. And I'm, I was thinking like, I'm a bit more like a yuppie. Like, I shave my legs, you know, my <laughs> armpits. You know. I just was like, you would, you would look at me and if you had to put two people side by side and say, which one had the home birth, you would not choose me. I would a hundred percent of the people I'm sure would say, yeah. I'm looking at Karen now and she's got like nice, you know, bling earrings and necklace. You can hear them jangling, I think, you know? So I agree, you know, like, you would, yeah. you would not choose me. So that was hard because I didn't fit in anywhere. I didn't, um, I just didn't. So, you know, it really helped to be educated and it helped that my husband is a chiropractor and he's well-educated and that it was just really us against the world. <laughs> so so where does that um, trust come from then? Because I think that's a big thing. You have to have a big trust in the body, um, your own yes. ability to birth. And if you've never done it before, it's almost like a big surrender. But you know what? I cried. When I found out I was pregnant, I burst out crying. And Lawrence said, are you crying because you're so excited and this is magical? And I said, no, I'm crying because in nine months this has to come out. <laughs> and he was like, whoa, what's going on? Because when I was younger, I worked at a bank and I happened to go downstairs one day when everybody was having their lunch break and they were telling birth horror stories. Mm. And it's like badges of honor, like yeah. who had it worse, who went through. And I knew nothing. So not helpful. No. And I heard all these stories and I was traumatized. I was so traumatized that obviously then when I did find out I was pregnant, I started crying because this fear came up because all their stories came back to me. And it was a fear I associated with it of how horrible it was going to be getting this baby out. And I wanted a home birth, but I was terrified. You know, and in the end, you know, I didn't do drugs. I did it naturally. But the way I dealt with it was I did hypnobirthing. And we really tried working through my fears and, and working through breathing and calming and centering myself and um, how to ride it out. And it is. It is a surrender. That's ultimately what I can say. It is a surrender it's because a letting go, isn't it's it? a letting go. Your body does it. And it's almost like you disconnect. And, you know, the more people you have in a room trying to talk to you or, you know, trying to bring you to the present doesn't help you. And I said that to, to Lawrence and to people, especially the second time around, don't talk to me. Don't try to engage me in conversation asking how I am. If I need to talk to you, I will. But I just, I just had to let go. I had to step aside from myself, almost separating the mental and the physical and let my body do, do what it needed to do and ride those waves with it. 
Well, that's how I feel. It's kind of like that space where we turn back into our primal selves. Mm. You know, every, no other animal has to do birth classes, you know, yeah. to learn how to, you know, they don't go to hypnobirthing class. I mean, they don't, like, you know, so they, there is this understanding that the body knows what to do. The first time it, you know, vomits, uh, we didn't question could we do it. The first yeah. time we urinated, defecated, whatever, the body it has an ejection reflex and it's pushing something out. And the more we try and control it and say, well, we don't know what's going on here, so we're going to have to say, well, this is not okay for me, you know, that's all that fear base. When we actually understand that this is a normal process, although you've never done it before, the body it knows what to do. All the hormones in the right cascade are all happening for mm. you. That All those juices are flowing and you just have to let it happen. And the more that we get into our, what you said in that present moment and conscious brain and try to override the primal brain, because yeah. birth is very primal. I mean, the roars that you make, I mean, would you ever do those in a, in a setting if you think about it? I mean, no I roared those last two, well, first and two roars of my pushes for my boy. And I, I, I kept quite quiet for the whole birth because my daughter was there. Did you think you were quiet? Like in your mind, like thinking back, did you think I was quiet or did you feel like there was a lot going on? Uh, we practiced a lot of the sounds before the birth. So I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna be okay with making noises because okay. we sort of did the whole lot of reading the books and mummy's going to make these noises. Because that very reason that you had that feeling down in the bank of the traumatic stories is exactly yes. the reason why I wanted my daughter to be present at my birth. Right. I wanted her to see this is normal. You've seen it happen in your consciousness, in your being. You know that someone can birth a baby on their own. Yeah. So that was my my driving factor for that, and it was beautiful. But the noise, um, I definitely had a longer labour because I feel like I was keeping it in for her not to be shocked. Mm. So there was an element of that, um, but I, I definitely the last two they just had to. I just had to. It, it was just, something it just, took it over just me. Comes out, yeah. It wasn't me. It no. was just. It is very primal. It is. Yeah, it wasn't me, to be honest. And I don't know. They probably weren't even that loud, to be honest. Isn't Maybe it? they were. Because, I mean, I'm in an apartment situation, Am Sam. It's not like the neighbors heard me. Yes. You know, and, and I think the day that Noah was born was, you know, very, very, you know, hot day in, in European summer with the windows open. And my mum was fanning me like a maniac, you know, with yeah. sweat. So the, the windows were probably open and no one knew that I was having a baby. So I think life just goes on in you know, home birth. It does. <laughs> it's funny because Lawrence filmed parts of it. And especially for my first birth, when I go and I watch parts of that, what I see is not what I remember. Yeah. Like I was so still. I was so quiet. I was, but in my head, I remember the first time when I started feeling contraction pains, I was like, damn, hypnobirthing does not work. Like I was cursing <laughs> hypnobirthing to no end. Like when this baby comes out, I'm calling this woman and I'm complaining. This did not those work. Those orgasmic movies. Yes, you know, this, like, yeah, who has? Ha, ha, yeah. Yeah. I thought all of those, I was mad. I was so mad. And that was all going around in my mind, which I think <laughs> delayed the birth, made it a little bit longer. But then when I watched the video, I'm so peaceful. I'm so calm. Like you would never would have known. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with the hypnobirthing lady afterwards and saying, you tricked me because you said I'd feel no pain. And she goes, well, no, not technically. Everybody feels it differently. But I think I really had in my mind I wouldn't. And I think it's different for different people. It's just I wished I'd had it known, you know, I will feel. It's not comfortable. For me, it wasn't. But it's riding that out, you know. And, like, I had a TENS machine the second time around, and I had it on my back. And when those surges got really strong, we'd pump up the TENS machine, and it would almost counterbalance Yeah, it distracts the brain. Yeah. It distracts. And I think it's that distraction. My husband would massage. We'd have that as well. And I was so much better equipped the second time because I knew what to expect. I knew that there's going to be discomfort. It wasn't like – I just felt like I was a bit – Let's not, let's not lead anyone on to say that you don't feel anything, you know? That, well, that's what I felt. I felt I was led on that if you do this, you won't feel a thing. You know what? You do. 
Yeah, you absolutely like you do. Can totally and cope with it. I don't think many people talk about the ring of fire till the very late stages of pregnancy. It's not something that we talk I, about in public I, setting. I don't know if I experienced that. No, I didn't. I really definitely rip. felt the. I didn't tear at all. But mine mm. were both water births, which is a yeah. whole other a whole other podcast episode. Yeah. But um, I definitely felt the stretch. But I mean, like we probably mentioned that podcast with Jackie, and I've said um, many a time. I think within the first hour of having my first, I said, "Wow, that was doable." So it's not that it's not painful, but it's yes. very doable. You can you can cope. Your mind goes to a different place. Yeah, and I think that's what we're trying to talk about, but the it's, letting go. But it's the panic. If you start panicking mm-hmm. because it starts feeling so overwhelming, I think that's when you start saying, give me the drugs, give me an intervention. I don't want to feel this. I think if you can just know your body can. Absolutely. And you can and let go and ride it out and go with it. And, you know, have a support team that's going to massage you or do things to, to also distract with the body that they know when you need that. But you can do it. It's definitely in the mind because if you start getting yeah. letting that stress take over, you start p- producing cortisol. Yeah. It's going to affect the baby. And then suddenly we start seeing, you know, heart rates dropping or rising or whatever. Yeah. And then we start looking into pathology and we need to get this out quickly. But if you understand from the, that you will feel it and that's normal and, you know, those contractions, they only last for a minute. Mm. You know, and there's a there's a crescendo and there's a, you know, a drop down as well. So if you can just write it out for a minute, of course they get closer, but the closer they get, the closer you are to meeting a baby. I mean, that's yes. what you have to look at in a mindset. With so much great information provided on each episode, we've created an easy way for you to stay up to date on keeping your family happy, healthy and safe. For exclusive content, as well as show notes, links for everything we discuss on the episode, as well as a free newsletter to help keep you informed, visit mumsthewordpodcast.com. Karen's on a podcast called Inside the Champion's Mind. So I think there's a lot about, you know, mindset as well. And that's why I asked that question, where does that trust come from that you're going to be okay? Because I still Mm -hmm. think all the media and all the stories they really get into us. They get into our being. You, you had to do a hypnobirthing, you know, work to work through that trauma of hearing those stories. And there yeah. still has to be an element you go, well, actually, no, I still trust I can do it. And I, that's what I'm not sure because I think that's where people make the choice of I don't feel safe to be at home. Because well, so I think for me, though, the more I read, the more I talk to people, that's where my trust comes from yeah. because I need to have the facts. I want to look at information that I can trust from sources that I can trust. And so I did do a lot of reading. Like I did heaps of reading. I read Well-Adjusted Babies, um, a lot of um, natural birthing books, reading about it, understanding what was happening, what happens with fear, how that affects your birthing, number of people in a room, how that affects it. So it was a lot of stats, a lot of reading. And that's to me what gave me the trust that I, yeah, the confidence, the trust that I could do it. Um, the support, knowing that my husband believed I could do it as well and that we were on the same page with that. And also knowing, too, that my midwife understood that if at any point in time we needed to transition to a hospital, she was to do that as quickly as possible and to not feel like I needed to stay at home. Because I think sometimes people get really upset if they don't get to have the birth the way they want to have it. And I think at the end of the day, as long as you're healthy and your baby's healthy, that's the most important thing. And sometimes things don't go the way we want them to. And that was, I had that trust in my midwife that if at any point she needed to transition me, she would do that and that I would be safe and the baby would be safe. So because of that network of people and that information, that's what gave me the trust that I could do this. Yeah. I think something that was really helpful for me as well was watching YouTube videos, just seeing that people can do it. Ordinary people. I couldn't do that. I couldn't. They were freaking me out. And I think for me, it was that fear based on all those women I heard. 
And I think maybe if you don't come from a background that's science and seeing anatomy and seeing that we're a very closed off um, group of people, like we don't go to the beach nude, um, we, we don't mm-hmm. really show our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of aspects of like the whole birthing and stuff with you have to getting naked in front of people and people, you know, spreading your legs, people seeing stuff and touching stuff is that's freaky for mm. a lot of yeah, us. Yeah, definitely for our um, cultures. Yeah. For our culture, for our culture a lot. And, and that was in my mind as well. Like, I'm going to have to be naked in front of somebody. They're going to see my body parts. But you know what? Once you're in labor, you're not even thinking about that anymore. Like, the whole street could walk by. You wouldn't even notice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because you just want this baby. And you want this baby to come out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's just go and touch on some of those resources that were really helpful for uh, for you. We've mentioned well-adjusted babies, which... It's definitely been mentioned on many podcast yeah. episodes before. So before we got pregnant, um, I was reading a lot of Francesca Nash's books. She's oh. a fertility physician in Sydney. So, And she, with Janet Roberts, wrote The Natural Way to Better Pregnancy, The Natural Way to Better Breastfeeding, to Better Babies. There's quite a few resources, and I started with those. And they're very good, but I would say my experience with it is it can become very stressful trying to become pregnant because you read all these things you should do and not do. And and I started trying to do all those things. And I was, you know, making sure we didn't have the laptops on our laps because we didn't want radiation. I was putting plants in Lawrence's office to protect radiation. The You know, what you're eating, like three to four months before you're even conceiving, you need to be really, really healthy clean, yeah. and clean. And I was doing all these things, but it started feeling really stressful because there were so many things. And a good piece of advice one of our friends said to me was, stop stressing so much. You'll never get pregnant. If you're like this, just let it go. You know, read all of that, take bits and pieces that work for you, but you don't have to do 100% yeah, of these things. Yeah, because plenty of people go and have a, you know, drunken bender yeah, and them. one night stand or whatever. Ram, ram, and they, yeah, you, exactly. And they pregnant. got, you know, not even planning. So um, it does happen. So it, it does. It, it happens. So I think it's good to know about those things, but don't stress about them. I certainly did. When she said that, I thought, you know what, I'm going to let go. I'm not going to stress. And we were very fortunate. We didn't have any problems <laughs> conceiving. It happened very quickly for us. But, um, It's good to know those resources, just don't have them limit you. Then we did Read Well-Adjusted Babies, which was an amazing book for knowing about all the different tests that doctors may want to do for you and the reasoning behind it. And that was really good for me because especially I didn't want to have all those tests, but I was able to be aware of them beforehand. And I think what's really great about that book is that if you look at the back, you know, there's a big chunk where it's all research papers. I mean, yeah. Jen has done so much research oh, made it so with easy. it that it's not just her opinion. It's, no. You know, and that's why it's a top seller and around the world as well. And people, it's written in a very easy way. It, it is. It completely is. It walks you through it and then you can think about it. Do I want that test at that point in time or do I not? Does it make sense for me? Yeah. And for me, a lot of those tests didn't make sense. And I didn't need to have them. But once I knew the name of the test, I could further research it myself to make sure. Um, And definitely for our first child, we didn't do ultrasounds. But on my second child, I did one ultrasound. And the main reason for that was that I found I was really stressed through my pregnancy, wondering if my child was okay. And I didn't know till she came out. And the second time around, I thought, I don't want that stress. So I decided to wait till I think the baby was about 20 weeks. When yeah, they, the when, 20 weeks, guy, when, when, when you're checking the organs. Yeah, when yeah. they're fully formed, um, I just needed to know at that point. And, you know, Christian was, was perfectly fine. But that was good because I let go of that stress then as well. Yeah, it gave you 20, 20, another 20 weeks of, yeah, yeah just knowing, you know, okay. we're good. Yeah. We're good to do that. So her book helped in that because it wasn't like she was saying, don't do any of these things. She herself went and had, um, you know, ultrasounds at certain points. She didn't have tons of ultrasounds, but chose 
chose her battles of when she would have what she would do. Yeah, and we're not doing the 4D ultrasound where we're looking at what their face is going to look like. No. Yeah, there's a lot of research behind all of that. So it's nice that she's researched it and she can break it down into what happens at different weeks and then you can just look at it and decide, yeah, that's for me or that's not for me. So I read those. I also read what to expect when you're expecting. Wow, that's so extreme because that's meant to be the one like, you know. I didn't pay attention to the medical stuff. I just wanted to know if my baby was the size of an avocado okay. or if it was an orange. Or I just It was more from that aspect that I wanted to know how big it was. I, yeah. I just thought that was fun to know. Yeah, it was fun. Um, read my hypnobirthing book, which spoke a lot about transitioning from home births to hospitals, why that happened, how stress affects your birth. So even if you're not having... So who who is that book? Um, that's by Mary Mongan. Oh, yeah, so the Mary Mongan method. Yeah, yeah. so I'll put these method. in the show notes. Yeah. yeah, so even if you're not going to do hypnobirthing, there's some cool information and facts about birth in that, especially in the introductory stages. That's worth having a read. And then started reading a little bit about co-sleeping. But I would say most of my my information that I read was all about creating this baby within me and how I was going to birth it. If I could go back in time, one thing I would have read more about was what to do when the baby arrived. Like, I didn't do enough There's of that. There's a big gap of that. There is. Like, I only took one class on how to breastfeed or something like that, and I thought, I'm ready. But I, I didn't know how to change the diapers. I didn't know how to bathe my baby. I didn't know how to breastfeed. I, and it was a really big shock about the whole sleep thing, because I love my sleep. I need, like, 10 million hours of sleep. And that was just... I, I wasn't prepared for it. And then at that point, when I'm super tired, I'm trying to read books on how to put your baby to bed. And do you want to let them cry it out? Or do you want to co-sleep? And I'm so exhausted. I thought, I don't have time to read these books now. Yeah. I should have read them when yeah. I was pregnant. Yeah, that's true. Um, so th- I think it's important to think post-baby. What type of environment do you want to have with your baby? And if it went wrong, what would you know? What type of sleeping environment? How are you going to handle things? That time to read it and to kind of think about it a little bit more. I should have done that. And even even discussing things like your support network. You know, yes. how are you going to make it work? I didn't think about that. You know, like, <laughs> is there family around or if one of us gets sick? Or, I mean, for me, I think with my second, I was in the hospital till he was five days old. So you've got oh. a toddler at home. You've got, a, yeah. a, you know, a practice to run. You know, the toddler's not allowed in the ICU because, you know, no children under five are allowed in there. And you've got this whole mission to create that the mother and the baby are in and, mm. you know, the other two are at home. And it's... um yeah, you just don't think that's ever going to happen to you. No. So yeah, it or is. a premature baby comes along, and you know. Yeah, yeah. I was. So I wasn't. I wasn't really prepared for what to expect after. And then, if you start having issues like breastfeeding issues, or you know, it's yeah, it was a bit tough. So it was yeah. good that the midwife was coming as often as she was because she was like, right, I'll bathe the baby next time you do it with me, and I'll show you how to do all these things because I wasn't prepared. Yeah, that's where I love the system in Holland, though, because you do have yeah. a lot of that help. Yeah. Um, but I think as well, that's another reason to choose a private midwife because they will give you more of that service. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She was supposed to, I think, have signed off at a certain amount of time as well. And she just kept coming because she was such a lovely Well, lady. they do it for passion, don't they? They do. Yeah. They do do that. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, I would say that was most of my the books that I was reading, plus my research on the internet. Yeah. Which yeah. you have to be careful about. You do. You do. Um, look, I, what I mentioned before as well, that business of being born, she has done another one on, on um, I think, the pill and I think on breastfeeding as well. So there are some... There are some good films out there, and I think that's all documentary-based with research as well. So mm. um, there's definitely more than enough for people out there. Definitely. I, I ask everyone, Karen, um, you know, a time that they struggled, you know, just because we're really trying to create a community here. Obviously, there's a lot of people that listen to this that might be in regional areas that don't have that support network. And, you know, what we've just talked about, that you are 
faced with a whole new learning curve and a new baby. And mm. so I try to create this as being like almost like an online support network. So I want people to not have to reinvent the wheel. Was there a time that you struggled and what did you do and how did you get out of it so that we can help other people out there who might be going through the same thing? I'd, I'd say the main struggle with my first birth, it had to be the breastfeeding. And a lot of that was I'd read all the research about the benefits of breastfeeding and I was determined that was what I wanted to do. And then when my body wasn't doing it and Kaya wasn't latching on properly, it was extremely difficult. Um, I cried a lot. I cried so much because this is something I wanted to do. And it was so incredibly painful. I didn't know that breastfeeding would be so painful. And then when I started getting mastitis, I didn't want to take antibiotics because we tried to do things as naturally as possible and not do that unless it was a last case scenario. And I got mastitis about four or five times. And about the fifth time, the doctor said, you need to go to the hospital and we need to do IV in, um, antibiotics to you because you are so sick right now. And I was, I was terrified because I had this baby that needed to be breastfed every so often. And I didn't want to take her into a hospital where she could pick up germs and again, I think I got non-compliant written somewhere in my form. <laughs> I'm sure for you me. did. And we basically, sure. we basically drove as fast as we could to the hospital. I got there and I was lucky because one of the nurses on was one of Lawrence's patients. And she just looked at me and I was in tears. And she said, don't worry, sweetie. She got me right in. They intravenous me, sent me right home and said, if you need more, we'll send medical people to you to give you intravenous at home. So I was able to do the next feeding at home. But my, my milk supply started going down. And this is when having the support network worked. I said to my husband, call, call your parents. I need them here. And they came and they helped look after the baby. They cooked for me. They did shopping. She made me these, this pawpaw drink, which helped bring up my breast, uh, my breast milk again. And then we got, um, a breastfeeding specialist to come to the house and she worked with me till we got the create the correct um, latching we had to use the nipple guards which I know there's pros and cons to that because that can stop your milk production but at the same time if you need to feed in your your, your nipples or if you're bleeding or if you're, yeah. yeah and it's um the lanolin that that lanolin yeah. I, I used lots of that and and alternated between the nipple guards and then suddenly it didn't hurt anymore and it was so natural and it was so, so beautiful and so wonderful and she was able to feed and I had that confidence it's a and dance. You have to learn the dance together. It is. And one of the things that we ended up getting, I didn't have a milk pump, like a breastfeeding pump, because I was like, I'm not doing it. And then so Lawrence ran out and got me one, and it was a hand pump. And like trying to relax and hand pump yourself is just ridiculous. And when the breastfeeding person came, she's like, go get... Electric. Yeah, get the electric yeah, one. I never went. I that. went straight to electric. Oh, it's time. so much better. You just pop it on, and you can sit there watching TV, and you kind of let your mind go somewhere else. And you can relax enough and it can pump. The, and that kept my milk production up as well so that I was able, because Kaya never took to a bottle. So it was like there was no choice. I could, I tried so many bottles in the interim thinking, what if I can't do this? Um, I'm so glad I persevered. I really am. Like so many people just said, just give up. Just why are you doing it to yourself? Um, I just, I was determined I wasn't. And I'm so glad I didn't. Like she, she Yeah, the choice fed. has to be made by you. She pressed fed to two and a half. I think Christian was about the same as well. Like Kai didn't even want to come off the milk. Like I, I slowly had to because I actually wasn't getting my period and we wanted to have another baby because she, I was feeding on demand so much. So we had to wean her off of that. But, you know, just the benefits of it just 
it was worth it to me. And to it's go quiet that. time. I mean, I miss that, that they sit know, still for a second and look it's in your eyes and twirl your hair and just look up. Snuggly. You know. and, yeah, yeah that, I miss that element. I mean, I think, yeah, mine were both two and a half as well and I had to go away for both of them to yeah. same thing. It was, you know, it was time. You and know. it's so cute because before they can even, even speak, mine would tap me on the breast if they wanted milk. They'd just start tapping or they'd put their hand down and I'd be like, guess they're hungry. <laughs> oh, the hand still goes yes, down. Yes, it's comforting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you you live a full life and you yes. have a husband that travels a lot and you're not living in your own home country. Yes. So, you know, life is busy. I know it is. Um, what drives you and what gets you up in the morning? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I don't, this is the life we chose. Like, I'm really fortunate that I get to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, I do have a lot of university degrees. I could be doing whatever I wanted to do. I just, I just knew that at one point I wanted to stay at home and I wanted to be a mom, and I enjoy that. And I know it's not for everybody because some, you know, some days are really hard and really long. And I just think I'd like to talk to an adult right mm. now. Mm. <laughs> That's the element I, for me. Yes, that it probably isn't for me. I, I've, I've reached, I've reached my saturation point. Um, but Lawrence and I are extremely, extremely close. So sometimes when he comes home, I just won't stop talking, and he just looks at me and he goes you haven't spoken to anyone today, have you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's really good. He'll give me my space to just, just to let, let it out. out. Yeah. To do that. But I just, I don't know. I, my mom was a stay at home mom. I love being, I love being a stay at home mom. I like um, creating experiences for my kids. I'm very visual. I'm very tactile. And I just like creating these really strong memories for them and doing things for them. And People always say, like, enjoy it. It goes by really fast. Mm. And, you know. You don't get that time back. You don't. I understand that. And, I, you know, you always go, yeah, yeah, I know that, right? But then when it does and you look back at pictures and you're like, that was five years ago? Like, gosh, like, it just, it is going by so quickly. And every minute I can have with them is, I'm just enjoying. Yeah. yeah. And Christian's going to be heading off to school five days next week. So that's going to be really weird. Like, I'm going to have problems with that yeah it's a transition kind of, time it is it's reinventing myself finding who who am I without somebody constantly I hate going to the grocery Tapping the boob yeah nobody <laughs> <laughs> to borrow somebody else's child <laughs> I don't like going to the grocery store by myself I walk around and I'm like it's a bit quiet mm. and it's good you can get so much stuff done oh, yeah. you can run around so fast but it's also really hard because I'm used to yeah. Yeah. It'll be a transition next year. And mine still both sit in the trolley together. <laughs> you know, I've got to get the one with the double seats every time. Well, I can't get mine out when they get in. I'm like, you're stuck in there now. I know, it's hard to lift them. <laughs> it's the it's jaws true. of life. <laughs> it's true. Um, another question I often ask is if you can go back in time um, to maybe that first time when you were pregnant, mm. what would you tell yourself as a piece of advice besides what you just said about reading the post uh, postnatal yes. books? Because I think if we can help mums to be right now as well, a word of advice or some trust, wisdom. You know what? I'd say trust yourself. Especially when you're a first-time mom. You don't yeah. know. Like, is this normal? Is their poo supposed to look like this? Are they supposed to be, you know, are they reached their milestone? And so you, you listen to a lot of other people. And I think really just trust yourself. Even if it's your first time, you know. You know them as a child. You know them best. There's been medical issues that have come up. And I've heard of other moms who, where the doctors have said, oh, you're worrying. The baby's fine. And the mom has just known in her gut something's not right. And I would say, if you ever feel that way, trust that. Go the second opinion. Go the second opinion. Believe in yourself because you know what? There's just, there's something there. There's that connection. There's, you know, you may not have done it before, experienced it before, but you know. Yeah. No, I think um, for the regular listeners, you, you all know that more than half of the guests say exactly the same thing. So please start listening to that and trust, mm. trust your inner, your intuition, intuition and your wisdom because it, it won't lead you 
in the wrong direction. Well, I say sometimes too because we try to do such a natural path with our children, but sometimes I just say to Lawrence, I don't feel right. I need to seek medical mm-hmm. advice on this. Mm-hmm. And and I know there's a bit of reluctance on his part to because you know you immediately might start going into antibiotics and all these other things, but for me, I like to get as much information from both sides and then I make a decision what feels right with my gut yeah. and that's that's never led me wrong. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You just have yeah, to no, know I totally that it's agree. always got your back. Yeah. Um or your gut or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um and what would be the best advice that you ever received? Maybe from your mom or Midwife yeah, no, I just remember I was struggling with the first birth with trying to do it all, trying to get it done. And, you know, any minute that I did manage to get Kaya to sleep because I was not blessed with sleepers, I was exhausted. And then if they did happen to sleep for 10 seconds, I was trying to clean the house and do things. And I got really sick and run down. And I was talking to one of our, somebody from the work, I think my husband's work, and she just said to me, Karen, clean the house another day. She goes to sleep it. Take some time for yourself. Sleep when you can. And she goes, you know, if you really need to clean sink, clean the toilets and leave everything else and just let go of that. And that was good advice because I didn't sleep and I, and I, I did get sick. And I think, you know, you just need to be patient with yourself and just, you know, you may not be able to do as many things as you used to be able to do. Yeah. And that's okay. That's okay to put those down and say, you know what, does it matter if the house is messy today? Like, I can live with that. It's more important that I bond with my child or that I just sit down and have a cup of tea in a few seconds for myself because you don't know if the next five hours are going to be incredibly demanding of your time. So take take the time you can for yourself when you can because you don't know when it's coming again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also if you need to outsource, do it. Oh, completely. I ended up having somebody come in to clean the house and it was it, I needed to do that and it was it was worth every penny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think um the whole the whole becoming a mother is is a process in in understanding that you need to let go. You need yes. to let go of that, you know, punctuality. Yeah, I was always on time and early, and then suddenly you're leaving, and the baby poos the nappy, and you know, and I could never get why. Why is that person like Gee, it's always late? And then you become that person where you just have to let go of the of the clock yeah. a little. Obviously, not for patients when I'm at work; <laughs> it's a whole other story. But you know, letting go of that, and also I'm, I wear black a lot. And a lot of people comment, you know, I think it's chic, and you know, <laughs> goes with everything, and flattering, and all these things. But if you wear black a lot with little baby, you end up with little white chunks on your yeah. shoulder and things like that. So you also have to let go of, of. You just have to let go. You do completely, and what your identity was and who you are. Yeah. It, it changes completely because it's not all about you anymore. Yeah, the selflessness. Exactly. Yeah, I know, and that's hard because you know, for a lot. A lot of moms, we feel like we're on the bottom of the totem pole. Everybody else's needs get met first. And then if there's any energy or time left, you get the dregs of that. So if you can carve out support or time that, you know what, now it's your time that you can, there's nothing wrong with that. And it makes you, you know, a better person because you feel more recharged and more able to give. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. It's that oxygen mask, right? Oh, yeah. Put it on yourself or for the kids. Yeah. This has been awesome. This has yeah. been so easy and natural and, you okay. know, and I could touch everyone too, you know, yes. but I, it's just this whole, yeah, dialogue's been great. And oh, although we, we, um, we started on the home birth, it's turned into just some, you know, good pregnancy and early, early mothering advice in general. Oh, good. So thanks so much. Oh, thanks for having me. It's yeah. been fun. I it's enjoyed really it. Cool. It's been really cool. Really <laughs> cool. Cool. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word.
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.